0: town anywhere isn't going to get this kind of technology. They aren't going to be continually upgrading. They're just going to be sucking them dry, taking the money and taking it somewhere else.
1: Hi and welcome to the Community Broadband Bits Podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. In 2005, DiamondNet began serving Salisaw as the first Oklahoma municipal network in which the municipality offered triple play services. Before bringing fiber to the community, most residents were stuck with dial-up. The network is popular with the locals, both for its services and for its determination to keep the network focused on community interests. In addition to providing special local video content, DiamondNet prides itself on its ability to offer customer service from within the community. In this interview, Chris talks with Keith Skelton, Assistant City Manager of Salisaw, and Danny Keith, the Network Communications Supervisor for DiamondNet. Keith and Danny share some of the problems they faced as a relatively small community trying to develop its own municipal network. As with other communities we've talked to, connecting to the outside world was one of the biggest problems they faced. The community has always supported this local effort, however, and DiamondNet has continued to make improvements and develop plans for the future. Here are Keith, Danny, and Chris.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today, I'm speaking with some folks down in Salisaw, Oklahoma. Welcome to the show, Keith Skelton, Assistant City Manager of the City of Salisaw.
3: Thank you, Chris. glad to be here.
2: And also, supporting with some technical knowledge, we have Danny Keith, the Network Communications Supervisor for the city. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, for those who are unfamiliar with Salisaw, it sounds like a a really interesting small town. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about it and uh, the background?
3: We're a small community, about 9,000 in population. Uh, we're located uh, on Interstate 40, uh, about 25 miles from the Arkansas state line. Uh, Southall is a public power community. We have our own electric system. Uh, we also run our own municipal landfill. And back in 2005, we ventured off into uh, the telecom world. Um, so we brought on our fiber. And you know, basically, you can say Sousaw is a, a full-service munis- municipality right now.
2: Excellent. And you had mentioned that you're in a part of Oklahoma that is, uh has some uh, economic development challenges as well, uh, just historically.
3: Yes, uh, historically. Uh, the eastern part of Oklahoma is four or five counties in the eastern part. Uh, uh, we're routinely in the top five of uh, the unemployment in the state of Oklahoma. Um, it's not very good for our, for our community, but uh, you know, it's something that we have fought through on a daily basis. And and uh, we strive to uh, improve our you know economic uh, development opportunities uh uh, we we go after new industry and, and new retail stuff almost on a daily basis. Uh, just basically our location just makes it very hard to do.
2: And one of the things we've found is that towns that have location like that often have the double whammy then of the private companies don't always want to invest in uh, new broadband technology. And from what I understand, that was your situation 15 years ago.
3: Yes. Uh, back in, the, we started the research on this project back in 2002. Basically, the reason we started the research was uh, we knew internet was going to take off, and we knew Salsaw, if, if we didn't do anything, Salsaw was basically going to be left behind. With our cable system that was in town at that time, it, was, uh, it wasn't was very new stations available. There was no HD channels then. Uh, it wasn't capable of supplying broadband modems. Uh, as far as internet availability, uh, we did have the you know, tr- traditional uh, dial-up internet, uh, but it was slow and uh, oversubscribed as well.
2: And you were the first in Oklahoma to be considering this type of a model where you would be uh, building the network and then actually operating and offering the triple play services on it. And how how has it gone over the years in terms of having to be the first in the state to do that?
3: Well, it's been uh, it's been something we've taken pride with uh, being the first in Oklahoma. Um, as far as the operations over the years, um, you know, Danny, I mean, will probably be the first to tell you it, it hasn't been easy. The city has supported it uh, through the years. The community has supported it. Uh, our council members have supported it, and we're, I think we're just now starting to realize the benefits they can bring to Salina
0: fiber side of it was, was pretty challenging from the upstart just because we didn't have a personnel with, with uh, the training behind them.
2: Um, as a small town building the the fiber network, what are some of the challenges of, of getting up to speed with the kind of personnel you need to run a triple play fiber optic network?
0: It's mostly the trained personnel to, to, to work it. There wasn't any. I actually took people, garbage trucks, uh, meter readers, uh, street department people, trained them up and brought them up in it so that they
2: know how to work it well it's it's one of those things that's always a mixed blessing i feel like it's it's really good to to give people in town an opportunity to to move up and sort of pay scale and have a higher paying job that often comes with these sort of network operations um you know the flip side is some communities uh bring in people who already are experts and there's a little bit of of bitterness of those jobs not going to the community so it, it, it's a double-edged sword i think sometimes
0: you know, we tried to stay away from that as much as we could. You know, there's times when you have to, but when you can train somebody then locally, then uh, that's uh, we felt
3: that like that was the way to go. And that's something we're, that's something we're very proud of too. We're outside of two people who was in our original uh, technical crew for Diamondet. Uh, the workers, you know, as Danny said, they came from the water department, the meter readers. You know, we selected people from those departments to train, and and that's something that we were really proud of. You know, we would say that. Our system was actually homegrown uh, from the
2: start. Danny, can you tell us a a little bit about the challenge of operating a fiber optic network in a rural region where you may not have the best links to the rest of the world?
0: Well, that was probably our our biggest problem in getting everything started was the backbone link in here. Uh, There wasn't one. Uh, So we finally finally wound up using uh, a company over in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And they rented a fiber, a dark fiber along Interstate to just to get them over to here. Uh but we had to pay through the nose for that. It was really hurting our bottom line. We have finally gotten out of that and and there is a provider now locally that we can tie into, which is a great savings for us.
2: Sure. And actually, one of the things that we've seen here in Minnesota is that it it can put you in a situation. I'm curious if this is something that that strikes a chord with you, where you basically have this incredible racetrack, you have this fiber system, but you you can't use it to its fullest extent because you you just can't afford the links out of town because there's no good options.
3: Yeah, that's one of the big things that we ran into and as Danny stated it was hurting our, our bottom line. Uh we were paying in the beginning we were paying as much as hundred and twenty dollars a month for our uh, backbone. Of course starting up we didn't require that much backbone, but uh you know, as the years went along and we added more subscribers, uh, that really added up to uh you know, some tremendous cost for the city.
2: One of the things that I was interested to see is that you have a tremendous number of subscribers. It looks like about two out of three people in town uh, take service from you. And so yeah, that has not been a problem. You've been incredibly popular.
3: Uh, like I said, the community has supported us well. Uh, you know, the people who are uh, tech savvy uh, have taken a real interest in our project, Um and And they just want to see us you know keep improving it uh we've done a lot of changes in the last few years to improve the system and uh you know there's people like that in the community that uh you know they like to see stuff like this they they like to play online games or they like to you know get on and play YouTube videos, whatever they need to do, and they want to see us you know continually get better uh, one of the things that we've done here recently to make our system better is um, our low end internet package for residential used to be three meg and with the changes we've made to internet, now we have up that to uh, 10 meg now. So with 10 meg, everybody can pretty well do anything that they need to do.
2: How does that compare to surrounding communities? What do they ha- What kind of options do they have?
3: They probably DSL service, uh, some of the satellite internet feeds, uh, things of that nature. There are some local phone companies, uh, kind of. I guess you would call like second, third tier phone companies that do off, uh, you know, some internet service, uh, but I'm not really sure of the speeds that they offer there.
2: I think it's probably safe to assume that they're quite a bit slower than than what uh, what you're offering there in town, right?
3: Yes, yes, and and that's one of the reasons why uh, we are considering launching a wireless network that would feed outside the city limits of well.
2: I saw that you have plans next year to launch a wireless service that uh, seems to really be aimed at those around town, uh, more so than those in it. But uh, can you tell me more about it?
3: Yeah, we've had, uh, of course, once we launched Dominant, we have had several people from outside the city limits uh, inquire about uh, receiving the services. And right now running our fiber outside the city limits is kind of cost prohibitive. And so in addition to that, we've also got requests for uh, uh, Internet services as well. So that's brought back the idea of about a year, year or two ago we started looking at the prospect of launching a, a wireless network. And uh, I think it's going to come to, uh, come to launch here probably within the next uh, two months. Uh, we'll be launching our, our wireless product outside the city limits. Our real customers, our potential real customers are really looking forward to that. We already have several people inquiring about it. Uh, we have one small community uh, that's about four or five hundred people that's really wanting uh, our product, and uh, so we're going to do our best to try to serve uh, the little communities uh, around Salisall.
2: Um, I saw you put some of the you put all the football games on local television. Uh, what other kinds of local content? Um, you know, what are the things that you do differently from uh, the other cable company that's in town? I know that you actually compete against a, another cable company that originally did not have any interest in providing internet access. So, uh, what are the things you do differently?
3: Our, our competition. Uh, doesn't do any local service at all, uh, like the community channels that we have. They do have a community channel because our franchise requires it, but we take that a step further. Uh, we have our community channel as well that has the uh, advertisements that come up you know, page by page. But we also have a community channel that broadcasts video events. And as you mentioned, we, we, uh, we broadcast the local football games. Uh, they're getting ready to start up here in a couple weeks. All the home games are broadcast live and all the away games are on a tape delay basis. We start those the following Saturday morning. Uh, In addition to that, we've done a few parades. Uh, We always show high school graduations. Uh, That's real popular, especially with the the older grandparents who can't make it out to graduation. Uh, That's a real popular event. Uh, And once we play that live, we always uh, replay it several times throughout the uh, next couple of weeks. Outside that, we've got plans uh, to continue to add to that product. You know, we'd like to do some some videos of the city. Uh, We'd like to start maybe doing some parades, uh, uh, community events. Uh, We have a community here called Diamond Days.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm curious about that. Your your network is entitled uh, Diamond Net. Where does that name come from? And do you have any, um, I mean, you've, you've gone through this and you started building your network in a time when this was more of a, a wild west, really. Like you were trying to figure out vendors, I'm sure. The, the amount of times that you had to work just 80, 90 hour weeks uh, from what I've seen in, in small towns uh, back in the mid-2000s, building these systems, it's heroic efforts sometimes. Um, what, what advice would you give to towns that are contemplating this today? Is it, is it a different world?
3: It's a challenge. You have to, um, you know, make sure all your. T's uh, are crossed and your eyes are dotted <laughs> before you actually get into the system you know you think well you run fiber, you make a few connections and you flip the switch and you turn it on I and mean, that's that's not the case at all there's a there's a lot of research that has to go into the equipment uh, you know there's a lot of time spent uh, installing the equipment check make sure you install the right equipment uh, you know IP address and I mean, there's a whole grocery list of items you know that you have to go through in order to launch a, a system like this
2: and Danny you you have any additional thoughts on that
3: Uh, I was here from the start and it was quite a job
2: every community we've worked with uh, that we've talked to about these sorts of things they've all really emphasized that it's hard work and they've really had to do their homework and and I think it just bears emphasizing that the difference between you know building a network to connect a number of schools and libraries and things like that is really incomparable to building a network that needs to be available you know five nines reliability and that sort of thing so uh, so congratulations for all that work.
3: Our project was really fast-paced, too. We we started construction in August of 2004, and we had our first hit signals into our head-in in December of that year, and we launched our first customer in February of 2005.
2: So are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with? I'm real happy
3: to see that more municipal governments are
2: trying to launch systems like this. Uh,
3: I think it's... Um, within their know-how, you know, with electric systems and everything. It's within their reach to launch these systems and and improve their communities. Uh, They can do it with better pricing. They can do it with more reliability. And I think one of the great things about our system is you can actually pick up a phone and talk to one of our employees if you have issues, uh, whether it's during the workday or uh, after our service as well. Uh, you're not going to a, a call center that's located in another state or anything like that. So uh, one of our catch tags is your South by Manette is your hometown connection to the world. And we really try to keep the hometown connection part uh, in our system and, and keep it operating today.
0: I'm personally very proud of, of Salsa, uh and our part in this because my history is from the tv cable world and i know how the the private sector works and it's it's not trying to stay on top of uh technology it's not trying to do what's best for the community it's the bottom line small town anywhere isn't going to get this kind of technology they aren't going to be continually upgrading they're just going to be sucking them dry taking the money and taking it somewhere else
2: and I think one of the um, one of the important lessons that I take away from Salasaw is, in you had a, your initial business plan anticipated breaking even within a certain number of years, and it's taken longer than that. And I think one of the biggest reasons is the challenges of. The uh, the backhaul and being just so um, having to pay so much to have access to the world. But the benefits to the community have far outweighed that. And now you're looking at a break even in the in the very near future um, is from what I've seen. And all the revenues coming in from the wireless system should only help that. Yes.
3: Yes, that's, uh, I mean, that's (laughs) sincerely what we're hoping. Um, Of course, you're always fighting continued increase in cost. Uh, You know, video programming is another uh, big issue cost-wise with the sports programming and so forth. So it's stuff that we've been able to fight through, and, uh, you know, we're just like any other cable system. Uh, We we see those expenses, and, you know, we do our best to control our expense, but still keep our system upgraded and provide a top-quality service.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome.
1: For more details on the network, check out their website at diamondnetok.com. We will be following the new wireless project in Salisaw and we'll check in again as it develops. As a new service, we will be making select transcripts available of Community Broadband Bits podcasts. Jeff, one of our resources from California, will be helping us out to bring a written version of podcasts for easy reference. Thanks, Jeff. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. Thank you again to Waylon Thornton for the music. This song is called Bronco Romp, and it's licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.